0: So this is me having just started my studies at CBS. The intro days are over and I feel they've been great and exciting and I really want to, to get stuck into my studies. And here I am having my very first lecture. This is not a, sort of a, a lecture in a particular course. This is sort of a, a general uh, introductory uh, lecture to the whole program. And here we've got the great lecturer Carsten Kuhn and he gets talking and he talks about Communication and interculturality, and he gets quite complex, and he talks about Horkheimer and Adorno and the Frankfurt uh, school, and, and and I'm sitting there, and I may be understanding sixty percent of what's going on, and my mind is racing like mad, just trying to sort of hang on to this wild ride of a lecture, and then. The lecture is over and I'm just sitting back. I'm looking at my fellow students who also have really big eyes and my mind has just completely been blown. It's like I've just lost my academic, my intellectual virginity and I almost feel exhausted and so excited and I feel so hungry uh, for more. Wow, and and I've got this overwhelmed. I, I I need to go outside and have a
1: cigarette. Kind of a feeling. What would it take for you to stay in the same job for more than thirty years? I mean, think about it. Would it be great colleagues, a motivational boss, or what about a dynamic work environment? Personally. I think that's an extremely hard question to answer but for some people the answer is simple and can be boiled down into just two words having fun my name is casper christensen and this is a cbs wire podcast series we call outside the box it's a series where i visit some of the most colorful people at cbs with their personalities and stories, contribute in making the university a great and diverse place to be. And now, I'll hand the mic to a person who can easily answer the question I asked you earlier. Here's Thomas Güling.
0: I've been here for uh, for a great many years, and I've seen so many changes. I've seen those things that are constant with our students, and I've also seen those things that keep um, uh, changing with both the Danes and the international students. So it's it's this question of of volume and uh, and an embarrassing amount of years when I say that I'm I'm experienced. I'm a 54-year-old student guidance counselor who works here at CBS. I'm uh, very bald, and I'm a bit fat. Uh, I like to eat, and I suppose I'm at a point in my life where I kind of know who I am and, and what's important to me and where I've decided to focus on what I do think is important, so... I'm a person who's not on social media at all because I don't actually think it adds anything of value to my life. I prioritize things that I
2: think are important in terms of myself and in terms of others. And if you had to point out uh, one thing that's important for you, what could that
0: be? I think I would say something that I'm, I'm not bad at myself, at least most of the time, is to listen to other people and my word in 2021 if there's one thing we need more of then it's people actually listening to each other and trying to understand each other
2: mm.
0: and perhaps that's why i'm not on social media because i would rather listen to people than look at pictures uh, uh, of what they had for lunch yesterday or um, or read updates where they're just shouting at each other mm. What are your biggest strengths? I would say that when I I don't forget myself, then I am actually pretty good at uh, listening to other people because I'm quite curious. Mm. I'm curious about uh, people and I'm curious about uh, connections. And I'm curious about weird and nerdy stuff. And if you're curious about weird and nerdy stuff, then I highly recommend to anyone uh, a career at a university. And I think that's one of my things. And then. I think a fair deal of not very analytical intelligence necessarily, but sort of common sense uh, intelligence. And I'm able to connect a few dots and say, right, here we've got a problem, let's do something about it. How about we try this and then, and then getting the ball rolling. And what about your biggest weaknesses then? I think I care too much sometimes, um, and that sounds like, oh, I'm trying to uh, present something that's actually strength uh, as a weakness, uh, but it isn't. It can be uh, a, a real challenge, especially when I work in a place like CBS, where we don't have a lot of resources, to really care and really want everything to work beautifully and, and help every student uh, that, you, uh, that you meet. Because sometimes you can't, and sometimes there aren't enough resources or whatever, whatever. and that can be frustrating, and that can be stressful.
2: You've been here at CBS since 1988. Um, Why so long? Well, I've been working here since 1988, which was
0: way before our current students were born. But I actually started here as a student back in 18, uh, not 18, but 1986, uh, uh, back in the day where um, horrible music and horrible clothes were the uh, fashion and the world was so different from today that young people couldn't uh, begin to uh, to imagine. And why have I been here for ages Because I've been here through the incredible uh, growth, the gazillion million changes that CBS has has undergone. There is always something new and exciting going on, and you can have the same job title for many years, and you've basically had many different jobs over uh, those years. Because we're always, you know, uh, creating new structures and new study programs and new research uh, initiatives and new. A great uh, many things and you always just need to have the next chapter of the book, the next episode of the uh, series so you will find a lot of people in this institution uh, like me who just keep hanging on because it's so much fun to be here and there's always something going on if, if you're a person who likes consistency, who feels threatened by change then CBS is not the place to be What motivates you? If you say what what motivates me in my life as a student guidance counsellor here at CBS, then it's the great joy, the great fun, the great privilege of working with our wonderful students. I I work with our bachelor programs taught in English, which means that I work with Danish and international students and applicants, and I work with people who are, you know, basically between primarily sort of 19 and 25 or so. And I think that's an incredibly exciting time in life, and to be just a little bit part of of that journey to watch these young people grow and learn and begin to figure out who they are and what they want to do with their life to help them live out their potential. That just keeps being so incredibly exciting and uh, and that motivates me. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, when when they run into trouble collectively or individually, then trying to help them uh, as best I can in, in that process. But they are just a joy they are so much fun to work with what are you having fun with I'm I'm actually having a lot of fun in my job and if I reached a point where it wasn't very enjoyable uh and exciting I would say even to meet and, and talk with with our students and indeed also our prospective students then I uh, then I would quit but other than that I'm kind of a politics nerd and kind of a food nerd and kind of uh a few other things in life uh, nerd and I enjoy that uh and then I enjoy That my free time should never be about performance. Mm. I think that's uh, an important point for me. And really focus on the people who matter to you and perhaps enjoy the company and the thoughts and the wisdom of a few people rather than a lot.
2: You're talking about releasing your inner nerd, how do you do that yourself? Well, I mean, I get to be pretty
0: nerdy in my job and I tend to, you know, go all in when I'm having a discussion with uh, uh, my colleagues about nuances in the conversation techniques we are uh, using or go all in in understanding weird little details about the different study programs, but also just, you know, whenever I get the opportunity to talk about something interesting with one of our professors, I will grab that opportunity. It's my experience that pretty much anyone who is genuinely interested in what they are working with, if you try to really listen to what they've got to to say, then you are going to learn a lot and you're going to uh, feed your inner nerd through opening up to their inner nerds.
2: Which types of food are your favourites? Well-cooked food, and
0: food that isn't pretentious. Flavor is king in my food universe, and I'm certainly happy to go to to a very fancy Michelin-star restaurant, but I also enjoy eating many other types of uh, food and in in, in many other types of restaurants, and indeed at uh, home my wife and i have uh at least uh, well not at least but about once a year we 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 travel to uh to bologna uh in in italy and to any foodies out there i would say that's a place to go if you really want to uh to experience the uh, the italian cuisine at its uh, best but look some of the things that can worry me about young people today they feel that They have to be perfect. They have to perform and perform and perform. And that sometimes leads them to become stress and it also sometimes leads them to focus on things that are actually a bit shallow. Um, I think that's uh, similar to what's wrong with at least parts of the food scene. Uh, It becomes about innovation for the sake of, Mm -hmm. of innovation and it becomes about exterior... Instead of uh, substance, it becomes about appearance rather than uh, flavor. And one thing that really pisses me off big time, and you know, when I become a dictator of the world, which is bound to happen, I'm sure, at some point, uh, then uh, the first rule I'm going to introduce worldwide is no taking pictures of your food when you're out dining sit down eat enjoy the food enjoy the company Uh, you'll be able to remember it well enough on uh, afterwards and I don't really need pictures on Instagram of your mushroom toast Mm
2: -hmm. I can imagine it can be quite a hard work sometimes to be a student counselor uh, because you invest yourself in in your job what's the hardest thing about being a student guidance counselor Oh, there isn't
0: one thing that's the uh, that's the hardest part. I mean, obviously, sometimes you talk with a person who is in a very, very difficult uh, situation and where there doesn't really seem to be a good way forward. Mm. And and that can hit you. And, and you can say, OK, I'm talking with, with this lovely young person. And it's really difficult to see how the knots are going to become uh, untied. But other times it's just uh, having to explain the answer to the same technical question seven times uh, in in, in one day or or whatever. I mean, there there are many challenges, but of course the things that really hit you are the times when you talk with somebody who is really in in a horrible uh, situation you learn to deal with that but i would say if if you reach a point where you don't get touched where you don't get affected by the challenges and the lives of the students then it's probably time to hand in your your letter of resi-
2: resignation mm. Are there anything that's typical for today's students as opposed to students of, say, 1988? Students today worry a lot.
0: When I was a first year student, we really didn't worry about a lot of things. We were really worried that there was going to be a global nuclear uh, war, and that you know uh, the Soviet Union Union was going to blow us all up. Uh, oh, and we worried about getting AIDS. Uh, those were the two biggies back in the day, and that was kind of it. Mm. We had a lot of faith in the uh, future, and uh, if we screw up on one point, then you know we'll do something else. We'll figure out. It will all work out. And students today are so worried. They're worried about, you know, what's going on uh, in the world and climate change and and whatnot. And they are worried about all the things they feel they have to live up to in their life in general and in their study life in, in, in particular. So there is such a focus on for some perfection and certainly for most performance and uh, being good enough and being cool enough. And the thing that saddens me is not just to see students who get really stressed, but it's also to see so many students, so many young people who kind of forget to have fun. Mm. When I was a student, we had a lot of fun. And I'm not just talking about, oh, we went out to drinking, partying, whatever. No, I'm talking about just enjoying uh, your everyday uh, and not focusing so much on, okay, do I know everything I need to, uh, to know in order to be able to pass my, my next exam? But just this course is really exciting and let's all talk about uh, what we can deduce from what we, the lecture we just heard today. And that, that whole approach to, to living and, and learning has changed so much. Mm. And I think it's a great uh, pity. I'm 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 not you know the the sort of uh, everything was uh, better in the old days kind of person. Not at all. There are so many things that are beautiful about uh, the world we we live in today. But it does sadden me to see so many young people forgetting to have fun, and especially perhaps I see students who feel that having fun, enjoying themselves, recharging their batteries, uh, doing the things they need to do in order to keep a smile on their face, they feel it's kind of a luxury. Mm. Once I've performed brilliantly in my studies and in my jobs and on social media and bum 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 then I can allow myself some free time, some enjoyment, then I can allow myself also to focus on what's actually interesting in the books I'm reading or, or whatever. And, uh, you know, every opportunity I get, I try to hammer through the point that enjoying yourself, recharging your batteries are not Luxuries they are necessities. they are prerequisites for being able to keep your engine going, keep your motivation up, and keep performing uh, well as a student.
2: Many people here at CBS know who you are um, and as I understand it you you're known for many things and among those things are your appearance. What does it mean to you to you know express yourself through your uh, clothing?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I mean if you look outside the window right now, uh, it's an incredibly gray and rainy day in Copenhagen and it will become dark fairly uh, early in uh, in in the afternoon because we are in the end of October right now. When we live in this very gray country i I, I actually love the Danish uh, weather, but it is quite dark and quite gray a lot of the time. Then why do we wear discreet uh, subtle, understated colors ourselves? We need a bit of color and light and balance to create and and, and brightness to create a bit of of uh, of balance, and also you know um why should I worry about what's the fashion uh, this year? I have my own identity. I have my own style. I like to express myself through uh, what I'm wearing. And by the way, I would love to go shopping for, uh, for shoes. My wife and I can spend many, many hours doing uh, that. And, uh, and why shouldn't I express um, my uh, identity as much through my outer appearance as I do through my words?
2: You mentioned shoes. You told me the other day that you have uh, around 60 or 70 pairs of shoes. That's uh, a great amount of shoes, I would say. Uh, why Why shoes? Well, that question implies that there aren't other
0: types of shoes. Of, of- clothes that i have quite a bit of and you know we could also talk about scarves and gloves and pants and sweaters and whatnot i'm afraid i could merely be the poster boy of uh, co2 friendly clothes uh shopping i i have to call on my niece there and fess up i like shopping okay i i know it's it's almost not acceptable to say anymore but i really enjoy uh shopping and i uh enjoy choice and deciding that this is what I feel like today so that's what I'll be uh, wearing and I don't know that I can necessarily explain it any better. Where does the need to express yourself come from do you think? Oh I think I was born with that. Uh, I, I am an, an expressive person. Um, I've also done a bit of uh, amateur theatre in, uh, in my younger days and I like to perform, quote, unquote. I, I have an enjoyment in, but I, I suppose also a need for expressing myself quite openly.
2: This is the first time I meet you and we talked over the phone the other day and you seem like a very straightforward kind of person. Why is that? Well, what's the point in not being straightforward? Uh,
0: Yeah, there is a point in not being straightforward to the point where you are uh, rude to, uh, to other people. I mean, you could say Donald Trump is a pretty straightforward guy, but I would be cautious in defining him as an absolute role model for myself. Uh, but I don't like things to get too, too convoluted in conversation and in, in dialogue uh, between uh, people. I think it's actually one of our strengths here at CBS that you can much more, I would argue, than at at many other Danish universities just talk about things as they are. And that's actually pretty productive. Mm -hmm. The strength of the argument should be something that is uh, valued very much at uh, a a university. Um, So let's talk about things as they are, and let's be uh, honest towards each other as people and as professionals. I'm sitting in my office working, and then the student comes by and, and, and knocks on my door and says, you yeah, know, Thomas, have got a got a couple of minutes? I just want to talk with you. And, 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 I, and I recognize the student. It, it's a person I've talked with before. And he tells me, you know, I've just been up today defending my master thesis, so I'm now completely uh, done with my studies. Hey, great to, to hear that. Uh, congratulations. And then he continues, and you know, we've, and this is something I I remember, I've talked with him about uh, four different times over a a four or five year period. And he sits down and he tells me about the various crises he had at different times uh, in his studies and the conversations that he had with me and how much of a real help they were in getting him through and getting him to continue well. And he just wanted to give me that feedback now that he's completed everything, and I'm sitting there, and and I'm completely uh, blown away by the the thoughtfulness of of this person to to remember me in in this situation where there must be a million other things uh, going on in in his life. You know, he's, he's completing his studies, but he he took the the time and he came to me and gave me that feedback and. I'm so grateful for that and of course also very happy to learn that the guidance I gave him over the years was uh, was of, of, of real help but um, that was a very a special day uh, also because um, the difficulty in, in my profession is that you don't actually get that much uh, feedback you know you talk with people and you really really hope that you've helped them with their difficulties and then they walk out the door and uh, you often don't uh, talk with them uh, ever again it's kind of like watching lots and lots and lots of series on Netflix and never being able or allowed to see the yeah, the final uh, episode. So you never know who at, at the end turned out to, to be the murderer. So situations like that are situations I'm very
1: uh, grateful for. That was all for this episode of Outside the Box by CBS Wire about the food nerd, great listener, and frank student guidance counselor Thomas Grilling. I hope you enjoyed meeting him as much as I did. Please tell all your colleagues, co-students and friends at CBS about our podcast. And be sure to listen again next time when you'll meet a new, equally eccentric and interesting person from CBS. My name is Kasper Christensen. Until next time, have fun.